The Bears finally finalized their 53-man roster today. The Jesper Horsehead fangirls are out in full fashion. So it's been an intriguing couple days here in Chicagoland. Um, the weather's actually looking really nice, too. The calendar's kind of turning to fall, but it's still kind of summer, but it's not as humid as it was last week. But what's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow me, Usaid Kosho, on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube by the same names, along with Facebook. I got my co-host here, Sam Stevenson. You can follow him on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam. Joe Herbst in the house today, as well as last but certainly not least, he's going to be on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. Hey, fangirls, how are we doing today? You're uh, just upset that Horace said proved you wrong. That's all. I'm not. I believed in him from day one. I'm oh, no, 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 no. We, we are. We, you oh. and I believed in him. Oh, I mean, hey, listen, I, uh, you know, a lot of people were very happy. I had a lot of Twitter notifications when the game was going on. I was uh, I was actually out. I was at an event and uh, like a small gathering and I didn't see the first touchdown. And I basically went to the house of the guys who I was at and I was like, hey, is it weird for me to ask you to turn on the Bears game? He's like, yeah, I'm a Bears fan. That's fine. Like, isn't it preseason? Who cares? I'm like, listen, you got to turn the game on, please. <laughs> like, you don't understand what's at stake here. And then um, I got to watch the rest of that. And obviously I was there for the, the field throw. But let me tell you something. Jesper Horstead fan club, we are, we are alive and well. Um, it's a great day. Oh, it was uh, – I was actually out too. I didn't really get to watch the game. I had a uh... – a uh, company volleyball tournament that I was at. So I was kind of just like peeking at the TV out at the outside bar. And uh, I, I saw the, I saw the field touched on Twitter, uh, the fulls one I saw live at home when I got back. And then I didn't see the second one at all. I don't know even how that was uh, scored or anything, but the one handed catch, man, that was, uh, that was pretty crazy. That was awesome. It was so cool. It was like the route. The route was beautiful. The catch was awesome. The he just showed incredible speed on it. We are, the, as you say, said the fangirls are going crazy. Yeah, I thought. Okay, first things first. Like the two times I tweeted, "Cut Jesper Horse said were because he legitimately made mistakes. And as a young player, if you remember, let me go ahead and pull that tweet up. But if you remember, in 2019, he had the one fumble against the Raiders, and then. I think it was about one or two weeks ago into the Bills, he had the other mistake. And at that point, you're like, so the fumble against the Raiders, that was something that it was like, okay, like, what the hell are you doing? Because you just cost us the game here. And then the second one against the Bills, it was like, hey, you're a third, you're a guy going into year three, you're on the roster bubble. Like, you pretty much can't afford to make any mistakes. But then when you look at his performance on Saturday night, was he the MVP of the game? Absolutely. Yes, he was. But also, and Sam's got a grin on his face right now because you know I'm teasing him. But when you look at Jesper, I mean, is he as big as some of these other guys like a Cole Komet or a Jesse James or Jimmy Graham in terms of size? Absolutely not. I mean, he's 6'3", 237. So if you didn't know who Jesper Horstead was, you would think that automatically, oh, he's a guy that's probably like a red zone wide receiver. But he plays a bit bigger and much faster than a lot of people are willing to give him credit for, especially as an undrafted free agent. And so 
the reason that this game kind of puts him on the map as a player to watch moving forward before I hand it off to Sam here to give me his thoughts on Jesper as a player, not as the head of the Jesper Horstead fan club, is because when you look at the Bears' offense, I mean, they want to be able to run an offense where the tight ends are going to be involved in the passing game. And I think with Jesper, you certainly see that they like to use him as an inline tight end, a guy who, yeah, he's going to block at times. Blocking may not necessarily be his strength. There's bigger guys like a Jesse James or a J.P. Holtz for that, but Jesper is just enough to the point where you can utilize him in the short and the intermediate passing game. And if he continues to develop, then maybe you consider lining him up in the slot, you know, next to a guy like an Allen Robinson or a Darnell Mooney using him as a mismatch weapon. So was that critical of Jesper Horsett in the past? Yeah, but that criticism was also warranted because, again, like I said a moment ago, as a young player, a guy who was on the roster bubble, an undrafted free agent, you need to maximize every opportunity you get. And one rep could be the difference between you making this roster or being cut. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously as a, he's an undrafted player from Princeton. Uh, he was a wide receiver turned tight end. Um, and I think in 2019, he was kind of thrust into a position. That I don't think he was necessarily hundred percent ready for. Uh, I think we have to remind ourselves that when Horstead was playing, uh, the Bears were without Adam Shaheen and Trey Burton, who were supposed to be their two uh, go-to tight ends at the time. So uh, I will throw a little bit of terms of defense out there. But, I mean, when I went back and watched some of those plays uh, from the weekend's game, Horstead's a pretty solid route runner. I mean, the, the route that he ran to create separation and make that play from Justin Fields, that was a good route from him. And obviously, Fields put that ball exactly where it needed to be. But, like, that was a great catch from him. And, and obviously, the one-handed catch was a brilliant play of athleticism. But, like, he's always had kind of those moments where, like, the potential is there. And I imagine the Bears are going to utilize their tight ends a lot more this year, um, especially with kind of the development of Cole Komet, uh, the addition of Jesse James, who's been an outstanding addition. Uh, definitely one of those guys that you look and realize, like, how the heck is he not on another roster right now? Um, and of course, Jimmy Graham, uh, despite my tweet today, Bears fans, uh, will still play a very involved role in the offense. Um, but listen, a guy like Horstead can definitely get involved. He's got solid hands. Again, we've seen improvements in his route running. And I don't know. When I was at training camp um, a week ago, he, he definitely looks a lot bigger than he did back in 2019. Definitely still a little undersized, but that'll definitely play to his advantage in terms of route running and, and getting open. Um, so you know, obviously as just kind of a football player, there's definitely been improvement there. And, you know, Saturday's performance was a lot, you know, very enjoyable. The the Horstead jersey's on the way and uh, I'll definitely wear it. And I uh, get it in an episode pretty soon, but uh, a very, very good performance. Uh, preseason leader in single receiving touchdowns for the year, which is very impressive. Uh, you know, guy deserves the roster spot. For sure. And I, uh, so I'm obviously a big fan of Jesper Horstead as well. And a big part of that, I, uh, I knew he was a wide receiver converted to tight end. And that's a very popular thing as of lately with Darren Waller. Robert Tunyon is two uh, good examples right there. But one of my good buddies, uh, Dr. Michael Risher, he's a guy who trains a bunch of the Bears players like David Montgomery, Darnell Mooney, uh, ex-Bears player Riley Ridley, a few other guys as well. And he started working with Jesper Horstead, and he even told me he noticeably saw that he was getting faster and back to his playing speed after kind of slowing down after college with, due to a bunch of injuries. He suffered in college, and now he's finally 100% healthy, and he's looking fast again. And like I was saying with the wide receiver to tight end thing, I really think a good comparison for him is Robert Tunyon, despite him being a little shorter than Robert Tunyon. But Tunyon took a bit, too, to get going. He was like a fringe roster guy for the Packers for years, and he actually was on the Lions at first when he made the NFL. 
and he didn't make it out there. He ended up getting signed by the Packers. He barely was fighting for his job behind like Mercedes Lewis and a few other guys as well. And he finally got a shot last year and proved it that uh, despite that he was a wide receiver converted tight end, he put on the size. Um, and again, that's another connection I have because he is actually from McHenry, Illinois, for those of you who don't know. So he uh, put at the high school down the road for me. I got to see him play quarterback in high school. He started at quarterback in college, moved to wide receiver, and he was pretty skinny, kind of small. And then he started working with uh, another tight end from our area who some might know, C.J. Fedorowicz who played with the Houston Texans for a while, uh, put on some size with CJ Florowitz and kind of got to learn the position really well. And obviously it worked out super well for him. So I think Horsehead's kind of on that same line. I don't know if he has the exact talent that Tunyon has to be that kind of ability, but he definitely has that ability to be the U tight end type of thing where he's basically a big slot wide receiver and can split out wide and just run routes and has that kind of ceiling that he has. Maybe not the ceiling of Darren Waller, who's, Obviously, probably a top, top three tight end in the league right now, but he definitely has the ceiling of Robert Tunyon. You guys see the Tunyon comparison is interesting because a lot of people tend to forget that Robert Tunyon was an afterthought pretty much until he burst onto the season to or burst onto the scene in 2019 and 2020. And even that was because that Green Bay offense finally decided that they were going to go back to using tight ends. Um, when we look at the other half of it. I mean, I think everyone right now is so fixated on, you know, the Bears tight end room in terms of Cole Komet being a player that you look at. He's obviously the future now. Is Cole the future for the next three seasons at this position? Yeah. But then everyone just like, oh, well, what are we going to do cutting Jimmy Graham? I'm actually surprised today. And we'll get into this 53-man roster reactions with Max Smith on Wednesday or Thursday. We're going to drop that on our Fireside Bears YouTube channel. But when you look at this entire roster and the tight end position, I mean, Jesper emerging the way he has is actually good because Jimmy Graham's probably not going to be here in 2022. I mean, you hope that that's certainly the case. And then... On another note, I mean, Jesse James is a guy that's on a one-year deal. And so moving forward here, irrespective of Jesper, I think that the Bears tight end group, it's in pretty good shape moving forward here, especially if you can kind of get Jesper Horsett and Cole Komet to complement each other. And I think their skill sets complement each other perfectly. A room that is in semi-good shape right now, though, guys, seems to be the running back room with Tariq Cohen going on the physically unable to perform list. There's a lot that's going on there because Tariq's pretty much missed all of training camp. And then he hasn't practiced at all this offseason. David Montgomery, we know, is going to be that bell cow running back. And then you have solid depth in Damian Williams, a veteran that's played in the system before. On the other side of the spectrum, you have a rookie in Khalil Herbert who's flashed a lot of potential, showcasing that he can be a big play spark here. But Sam, what's up with Tariq Cohen? Uh, this is just another example of mismanagement. I, I don't know who else you can look at at this point, but Matt Nagy. I, I think I, it was maybe last week or two weeks ago where, where Nagy said his his progress went from day to day to week to week. And, and I mean, at some point, the fact that this wasn't something that was covered more and talked about more at press conferences is a little disappointing. I mean, for starters, you have Tariq Cohen on contract for the next, I think, three years, um, a contract that he definitely has earned. But you know, you definitely are hoping that a guy that you've paid, a utility player that you've paid, will be able to play at some point. Or if he's not, you're going to know about that ahead of time. Now, obviously, I like that Khalil Herbert is going to be the running back three. I'm excited to see what Damian Williams can do. And you know what you have in Dave Montgomery. But Tariq Cohen's value to this offense is such a big deal. 
And the fact that we really didn't hear much about it. I, I mean, I remember like sitting here in the middle of the preseason with no Cohen update. And, you know, obviously again, like I, my, my time at training camp was limited, but like the reports were coming out that he was looking stronger, that he was progressing well. And, and to be able to just like have this be the final outcome where he's going to be on the, on the pup list for, I think it's five games. They have to set out six games. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it's disappointing. It's frustrating. It's just one of those things where Matt Nagy has to keep everything out of the loop. Again, I wish people would have pressed him a little bit more about this. It is six games. Thank you. You said, um, I, I don't know. I think it's frustrating. It's the best word I can use. And again, I do feel good about the bears running back depth. Um, you know, I like what they have in those pieces, but Cohen is more than just a running back. And, you know, the offense took a hit when he went out last year. Um, and, and I just wish this was communicated more clearly. That's honestly the biggest thing. I don't want to ever rush a guy back. If he's not ready to play, if he's not ready to play, you keep him out. You let him rest. You let him recover. Cause I want the treat Cohen that I know can be a weapon on his offense. But honestly, the only thing I can really say to this is just frustrating. And just, again, this soul like illusion and keeping us out of the loop. It's very frustrating. I wish people would have pressed Nagy about it a little bit more. The thing is, too, is they did press Nagy. It's like they, they just had an interview with him, I believe, a few days ago where they asked him straight up, did Rico have a second surgery? Like, what is going on? And yeah, that's right. he just danced around it. He said he was like, no, I don't think. He literally just ignored the whole, like, because they, it was like a few part question where he's like, did he have a second surgery? Did they go back in and did it change the timeline at all? And he completely ignored the whole first part and just went to the timeline. He was like, no, I don't think this changes the timeline. I think for him, we just got to go back and find all the little things for scar tissue. He just basically danced around it like he always does and just throws out a bunch of words that, you know, I like where we're at, stuff like all the stuff, the nagisms that we all hear. And I'm kind of like, again, I, I saw him. I think it was, yeah, the second week of the preseason game, I saw him jogging off the field into the tunnel, and he was jogging no limp. He looked fine. Like, again, I'm with you, Sam, where I don't want to rush anything back, but I at least want to have an idea of what's going on. Like, I mean, it's completely normal after ACL surgery to go back in, clean up scar tissue. Uh, when you have ACL surgery, sometimes you go in and find out if there's a meniscal tear as well because you can't really see that on an MRI very well. That's what happened in my case when I tore my ACL. So that's very normal and very common. So that, that could have happened. That could have left the surgery to take more time. But I just would like some sort of communication like, hey, when can we expect them? Like, it's just so frustrating that we just can't get any sort of timeline update from Nagy. And we never do. And that's got to be the worst part of having him as our coach is just how much he dances around questions. I, I want to just throw one quick thing up before you said goes here. Like, like that has been Nagy's M.O., about everything. He did the same thing with the Tevin Jenkins situation. It was very clear that Tevin Jenkins' decision to get back surgery was pre-decided before it was announced. I, I don't see a situation where they were informed the night before. Like, and it's just frustrating because, because that was a situation that I think should have been pressed more. And I actually, I do remember reading about that. I should have mentioned that uh, about the Cohen thing. Um, I don't like, it feels like it's a, it's what's the right word I'm trying to think of. Not like slimy, but it feels like it's, it's like we're, they're doing something wrong. The fact that we like are being held out and like Nagy's got secret things going on and he's hiding behind a curtain and stuff. And, and that's frustrating. Like at this point, you're a head coach that has been here for a few years and you've received a lot of criticism. And now you're having situations like this where Tariq Cohen, it's like, Oh, well, he's going to be on the physical perform. 
how do you not inform people about that sooner? Again, I think the notion of that may have begun when the Bears did draft a running back, but you can't decide that. I mean, teams always could use running back depth no matter what. So, you know, you can't make a decision based off of that. Like, well, if they drafted a running back, so clearly Cohen's not going to be back yet. No, like you can't, you can't say that based off of that. So I don't know. I'm just frustrated. I needed to just speak my mind there again before you said goes. This is a very frustrating thing. And it's a common thing that Nagy has done. Yeah. And one aspect of this whole thing is that no one's talking about is last year at this time, we were, Everyone was kind of sitting, wondering, hey, when are they going to go ahead and extend Allen Robinson? And then that money sort of went towards guys like Tariq Cohen and Nick Foles and Robert Quinn, as well as Jimmy Graham. I mean, those were the four main players that kind of killed the Bears cap space. But also, I thought it was a foolish move on the Bears part last year. As much as I understood why the team went ahead and extended Tariq Cohen, I was also like, hey, this guy just is coming off a season where he pretty much admitted that in 2019, where he pretty much admitted I wasn't in shape. I didn't take care of my body. I know that's why my play took a hit. And then all of a sudden he kind of got generously rewarded with an extension. And it's not like it was a small deal. I mean, it was like a three or four year deal where he was making up to like five or $6 million annually. And so Tariq kind of got paid, but then got injured. Now you have to wonder, is he ever going to be the same? Because for a player that is as freakishly athletic as he is, you have to seriously wonder, is he going to be the same? Because we know what the impact of ACL injuries are, being Chicagoans and being big fans of Derrick Rose. But ultimately, that ACL injury is going to kind of hamper him from being able to plant his foot in the ground and make cuts and be shifty. And so the fact that it's taken nearly... 12 months at this point for him to basically get onto the field it's a major red flag and now when you look at the calendar which by the way let me pull the calendar up so first game of the season is going to be september 12th cohen tore his acl last year in week three which would put it right around september 26th or 27th but since he's going to be out for six weeks you're looking at basically a mid-october return at best or even end of october which means the earliest we could see Tariq cohen is going to be against the Rams on, or I'm sorry, not the Rams, the 49ers on October 31st, which like 99 people that I know are going to be at that game. So that's going to be fun. If you're there, stop by and say hi, because we have our own fan club going here. But ultimately, it's just like you look at this whole thing and the Bears completely botched it. And Matt's answer to that question, when I think it was Jason Leisure of the Chicago Sun-Times who asked, was pretty much a typical Matt Nagy answer in the sense that I'm not going to answer this. I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to dance around it because this is what I do best. I mean, he did the same thing with Tariq. So what's funny is this. Let me take a step back. If you guys remember the Trey Burton situation, and I'm not going to get into detail because I vented on it multiple times on this podcast, I said the exact same thing was being done with the Tevin Jenkins situation. And people, Bears fans, really laughed it off and were like, oh, well, there's not really anything going on here. There's a difference. One guy was coming off surgery. The other guy has back tightness. It doesn't have surgery. Ultimately, you look at it, the Tariq Cohen and the Tevin Jenkins situations have been handled in a similar fashion to the Trey Burton situation. And as we look forward here, I mean, the Bears are going to have to rely on guys like Damian Williams and Khalil Herbert, especially to kind of play the role that Tariq Cohen did. And so it's going to limit the offense in some ways, but it's also going to make the offense expendable in some ways. But preseason, I mean, is officially over. And Joe, I'm going to start with you on this one. What was your biggest takeaway from this preseason for the Bears? Um, that Nagy is still not a good coach. 
I'm not going to really get into it as I went on a really long rant on last week's podcast, but Nagy's still not good. He still doesn't know how to use his talents. Obviously, you're not supposed to game plan for preseason games, but he still looks exactly the same as he does during the regular season, and it's very frustrating. And he obviously can't tell how talented Justin Fields is. So I'm going to leave kind of just my whole – I don't want to go on a long rant again, so I'm just going to leave it at that, that Nagy still sucks. Um, Our secondary is also still not very good. On the bright side, Justin Fields is unbelievable. But I'll turn to Sam after that because, yeah, I just don't want to really rant about Nagy again for an hour. My biggest takeaway is that Justin Fields should be the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears. Everything that Justin did this preseason was fantastic. Uh, He exceeded my expectations. I got to watch him live in two games. Uh, The things that he struggled with, he was able to work on. Uh, Fields has got a thing about him. When he makes a mistake, the next play, it's like, boom, he always redeems himself. Um, He was one of, I think he, um, I'm trying to think what he had a very high preseason score, I think, in the last game. Um, I mean, there were moments where he made some throws that I'm like, I've never seen a Bears quarterback make a throw like that before. I don't know how you can look me in the eyes and tell me that Andy Dalton is the starting quarterback of Chicago Bears after what I saw Justin Fields do. Now, listen, I understand that Fields is going to make mistakes, and I understand that you know that the rushing a rookie quarterback is a bad thing, and maybe there's an aspect of that. The Bears have done that in the past. I definitely think they might have thrown Mitch in kind of the lion's den at times. Fields is ready, man, and the whole argument where you don't want to have him go up against the LA Rams. Uh, listen, I saw a great tweet today from a, from a Barstool personality. Uh, everyone knows who Big Cat is, if you know what Barstool is. But he made a great point. He goes, you're worried about throwing him in week one against the Rams. Every NFL team has big guys on defense. Miles Garrett. Uh, well, he says some few guys in the box. Like Every defense has guys who are going to go after your quarterback and could potentially hurt your quarterback for how hard they hit them. And I understand that the Bears aren't necessarily playing for a ton this year. But if that's the case, why wouldn't you evaluate your rookie quarterback right off the rip? I don't want to get into a huge tangent about that gun. I've said my thoughts. I've said my piece about why Fields should start. But my biggest takeaway is, is that I think Fields is going to be a very, very good quarterback in this league. And you can't convince me that he should not be the starting quarterback for the Chicago Bears. I'm sorry, you can't. And they're going to face a lot of edge rushers the first couple weeks of the season. I mean, you're talking about starting off against Aaron Donald in Los Angeles, edge rushers and defensive linemen. And then after that, you've got Miles Garrett, Trey Hendrickson on the schedule for the Cleveland Browns and the Cincinnati Bengals. And then Trey Flowers comes to town in week four. So the Bears are going to have their hands full. And then certainly Unique Nagakwe in Las Vegas come week five. The Bears are going to have their hands full, but... My biggest takeaway from this preseason was this. And again, we're still kind of in the stages of finalizing the 53-man roster and as well as the practice squad. So some of these guys like a Sam Camaro, a Charles Snowden, I mean, even Daz Newsome, Thomas Graham Jr. Yeah, they were cut, but the Bears could also be cutting them for procedural reasons to bring them back. But that gets me to my takeaways. I really liked how some of this young talent shine. I mean, the Bears have been pretty good over the last couple of years in terms of figuring out some of this young talent, bringing in these undrafted free agents. I mean, look at Sam Mustafa and Alex Sparks, two guys that were undrafted drafted free agents well they've developed into some quality players for the bears i mean at least must for his bars is a quality player in his own right because he can play any spot on the interior and he can play right tackle and then i really like another undrafted free agent just for horse said someone who you hope is going to develop into a solid player sam i know the grin on your face is all about oh he's going to be praising just for horse all day i don't dream about just for horse 
unlike you do. But the point is, is a lot of this young talent shine, it bodes really well for the Bears moving forward because in 2022, I mean, there's not going to be a lot of, this team's going to have like 40-something players that they're going to have to bring back, something like that. It's a ridiculous rate. And it's an astronomically high number. And so the Bears will ultimately need to go ahead and um, ensure that this young talent develops. And that's why I'm excited to see what a guy like a Charles Snowden, a Sam Camaro, some of these guys see what they can do. I mean, people have cut. Yeah, Daz Newsome, did he get cut? Sure. But then also at the end of the day, we have to keep in mind with Daz is that he also missed the first couple weeks of training camp with the collarbone injury, which he sustained. I think it was in rookie mini camp or an OTA. So he really kind of got the short end of the stick here. But with that said, um, it's going to be exciting to see what this young talent develops into moving forward. The only other thing that I would add to kind of the, you know, you talk about the talent that developed moving forward, but let's talk about the talent that's been in the league for a couple of years. One of the biggest things I took away from the preseason is what a turnaround for Rodney Adams, man. I have been in my time covering the Bears. I don't think I've ever rooted harder for a guy to make an active roster uh, from the start. As soon as he got signed with the team, immediately started making headlines on Bears Twitter for how productive he was with uh, Justin Fields, immediately got a connection with him. He was active in every preseason game. And listen, is Rodney Adams the second coming of Jesus Christ? No, of course not. But you have to understand when you can find a guy like that in the NFL who has a lot of potential and is able to prove that he deserves to be on the roster, that's a piece that you can keep around long-term, you know, for not that expensive. Rodney Adams is a guy who has not been on an active roster since 2017 with the Vikings. He's had stints with some other teams. I think he was on the Cowboys for a while. And the fact that he was able to find his way to make the roster for the Bears and the way that he played in the preseason, I mean, that touchdown that he had from Andy Dalton against the Bills was, was an incredible play. And as a reminder, the day before, he was sleeping in a hospital room because his, uh, I believe, either girlfriend or wife, significant other, had just given birth to his uh, firstborn. That's an incredible thing. I, I can't even imagine waking up after seeing your child be born driving to a football field and playing in an NFL game, even if it's preseason and making a play like that. So that was another thing I took away. Good for him. I'm glad he's made this roster. I hope he can do something this year, even if it's just on special teams or in limited reps, but heck of a storyline this, uh, this off season for sure. Good for Adams, man. That was, that was something I was watching all day today, hoping and hoping that I would hear that he would finally make the roster as wide receivers were getting cut. I was getting nervous. So good for Rodney Adams, man. That was that was an awesome storyline this this offseason. And speaking of you saying that of guys that came in and made an impact plays right away, I was really glad to see that Alec Ogletree made the team. I know he came in for a tryout last fall when we started suffering our uh, inside linebacker injuries with Trevathan kind of slacking, and then Roquan Smith got hurt right for the playoffs. So to see him come in and get a shot, just basically because of Robert Quinn, had him come in and talk to the coaches one day. And him get a shot and get like six interceptions to like his first three days at camp or whatever it was, something crazy like that. Really good to see that and to see him make the team. You're obviously going to make some inside linebacker cuts as there's seven inside linebackers on the roster right now. So his job isn't technically completely safe, but I definitely feel like he added a lot this preseason and in training camp to make the roster. And another guy too that we brought in, same sort of thing, Jesse James, another guy that we brought in basically right after we traded Anthony Miller and he instantly started making impact plays. He like Rodney Adams developed a great connection with Justin Fields. Seemed like he was active and making great plays in every preseason game. He had that incredible uh, wide open touchdown pass from Fields in the first game. And then he had that 
diving catch from Fields in the second game. He just always was seeming to make plays with Fields. And you just love to see that guys who just get another chance somewhere and do really well. Guys who just like couldn't really get a shot anywhere. Like Adams really never really got a chance anywhere in the NFL. And then Jesse James never really was an impact player. And not to say he will be here, but it's really good to see him like shine in the preseason and get fans excited for preseason. Like it's just guys like that that make preseason so entertaining. Yeah, I th- what gives Jesse James kind of the nod, and Joe, you alluded to this, the reason that he is making the roster because the Bears are going to carry five tight ends at this point is just the fact they, I mean, his chemistry and the connection that he developed with Justin Fields was so quick to the point where it was almost like, okay, you know what? This is someone that can make this roster, and this is someone that's a, a pretty solid receiving tight end. And don't write Jesse James off just because he had a bad year or two. I think it was in Seattle and Detroit. I mean, he still had a really solid season for the Pittsburgh Steelers when he played there in the early portion of his career. But speaking of players that are ideal fits, I mean, look, Nick Foles is on the trade block. And Nick has said back in that press conference, the one time that we got to hear from him in training camp, hey, I'm not going to go anywhere unless I feel like it's the right fit. And so, Sam, I'm going to bounce the ball to you on this one. Give me a fit for Nick Foles that doesn't include Frank Reich and the Colts. Is it crazy to say New England? Honestly, I know they are probably going to bring back Brian Hoyer, but they just released Cam Newton. Mac Jones is going to be the starter. Is it crazy to say that that's an opportunity there? Listen, I'm not going to try to speculate it too much because I'm I'm sure in the reality, Bill Belichick is going to roll with Mac Jones and Brian Hoyer. But hypothetically speaking, the Patriots are trying to get into playoff contention. Something happens to Mac Jones, or maybe they're worried that Mac Jones isn't who they thought he was going to be. And Nick Foles on that team could win some football games. I mean, the Patriots had a heck of an offseason adding a ton of talent. You know, they signed guys like Hunter Henry. Um, uh, I can't think of his name. The guy from the Titans tight end. Jonah Smith. Thank you. Um, I mean, they addressed their offense. They, they had a solid draft, I think, in my opinion. And again, it's Belichick. I always think that Belichick is, is one of those guys that, that could use a guy like Nick Foles. He is a guy that has beaten him in the Super Bowl before. So if you can't beat him, join him. I think that's a realistic possibility. The Bears and Patriots have been trade partners in the past. Uh, they have, you know, they've worked together um, in terms of making trades together, uh, both in the draft and outside of the draft. Call me crazy. I don't think the Patriots is a terrible fit. So I would say mine probably is the New York Jets. Uh, I, there have been rumors about it since Zach Wilson is a rookie as well, like Mac Jones. So they named their backup today as, if anybody knows who it is, Mike White who has never thrown a regular season pass in his career. So to have a rookie quarterback who he is flashy and he has a ton of talent, but he is a little raw and he had a rough training camp from what I heard. How are you not going to have a reliable backup? I know they released Josh Johnson as well, who has bounced around the NFL as a backup. I believe he played in the XFL as well. And he was solid in that. It's just, how can you go into the NFL season as your backup to your number number two overall pick being a guy who's never taken a snap in his life. Like what if, I mean, even if they're not trying to win, don't you want like a veteran in the room to help a young guy? Like I, and then they also have James Morgan, who is, I believe he got drafted in 2019 or 2020. Like they just don't have any sort of veteran, like knowledge in the room. Like I would, I would assume they want somebody else. Maybe they could go after a guy like Cam Newton or go after somebody else who got released, but, You'd think they'd want a veteran in the room, right? 
I would think that they do want a veteran in the room. And what's interesting is that none of those quarterbacks for the Jets have yet to throw a meaningful pass in an NFL regular season game between Josh Johnson, Mike White, James Morgan, as well as Zach Wilson. But hey, listen, for me, there's a lot of intriguing possibilities here. And I mentioned before, Indianapolis is certainly at the top of the list because of Nick Foles kind of respect for Frank Reich, both as a player and as a person. But then when you look around the league and you realize, okay, there's not a lot of teams that would make sense for Nick Foles with Cam Newton being cut. I mean, I was going to say the Washington football team, but in all honesty, I mean, they're going to roll with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Whether or not they reunite Cam Newton with his old friend and, and head coach in Ron Rivera remains to be seen. But hey, give me the New Orleans Saints. Listen, Sean Payton named Jameis Winston the starter. Sean Payton is adamant that Jameis Winston is going to pan out. Taysom Hill is not a quarterback by any means. Taysom Hill is kind of just this gadget player who would get a guy like Matt Nagy excited because he's just this overly athletic white guy. I'm sorry to offend you, Joe, but what happens is this, is I think that... I'm not going to apologize, okay? But anyway, I think what happens is this, is that give me New Orleans as a landing spot for Nick Foles because I do think when you look at the pieces there between an Alvin Kamara, a Michael Thomas, even some of the tight ends like Josh Hill, they have a really solid offensive line. It's a good situation to set Nick Foles up and to succeed. And when you look at that 2017 Eagles team that won the Super Bowl, I mean, there were certain similarities with the Saints because they did have some pretty good wide receivers like an Alshon Jeffrey and a Torrey Smith. And then they had a really good tight end in Zach Ertz. Dallas Goddard was there that year, I believe as well, or he might've been finishing his last college season up. And then they had a really versatile running back room with guys like Corey Clement. I just want to add this on too. I mean, Sam, you mentioned the Patriots. It would be the most new England thing ever. If Bill Belichick were to trade for the quarterback that beat him in the Super Bowl. Like that would be the most new England thing ever. And it would continue. Everyone's look at it as, yeah, whatever the Patriots are trading for Nick Bowles and Bill Belichick will look at it as, Hey, I'm trading for the guy that beat me in the Super Bowl. So you guys are playing chess. I'm going to continue to play checkers. What's up, Joe. I'm going to add that. Um, I am probably the biggest Jameis Winston supporter in the world. So I take major offense to the fact that they could even need a quarterback because he is the GOAT. I absolutely love Jameis Winston. And obviously, yeah, you do need a solid backup, but you ever heard of Ian Book? That dude is awesome. <laughs> but, <laughs> in actual, <laughs> but in actuality, they, they could use a solid backup. I do think they're fine, honestly, with Taysom Hill. Obviously, he is a gadget player on 31 other NFL teams, but when you have a, court, a coach like Sean Payton, it really doesn't matter who's taking snaps because he will make it work. But to add about the Jameis Winston thing, I've been calling for him since he left Tampa Bay to come to the Bears because I absolutely love him. I think he's going to be a stud this year. But uh, another small one I wanted to add was possibly the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Uh, they just lost A.J. McCarron for the season as their main backup to Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's getting older. You know, he could get banged up. I believe his backup is now Josh Rosen. So they could use another uh, quarterback in their room uh, with Matt Ryan. You know, as I was saying, he's getting older. Josh Rosen obviously is not good at all. And they could honestly be still trying to compete. I just don't know what they're thinking with like trading Julio Jones, but then they, I mean, they, they got a good coach in there. They got a good GM in there. So I have no idea what they're trying to do. If they were trying to compete, I could see them going after Foles, but if they're not competing, maybe not. 
Yeah, so Ian Book is a college quarterback that I really like. I think that he has a chance with Sean Payton to be pretty solid in this league. But then also you have to keep in mind is that Ian Book was drafted in, what, the third or fourth round? A lot of people had him going as a sixth or seventh round draft pick. But the Saints are always going to be a franchise that just seemingly seems to overinvest in those late round picks. I mean... What it is with Nick is this is such a complicated situation because you could go through all 32 teams, cross off the ones that aren't fits. I mean, you could throw in Denver, but hey, George Patton's going to be confident that I'm going to go with Teddy Bridgewater. You could throw in Philadelphia. Well, guess what? They're going to go with Jalen Hurts. Atlanta, I just don't see being a legitimate option. And then I wrote an article two to three years ago for the Bear Report saying this is why the Bears need to avoid Jameis Winston. And at the time, it was just those like incredibly erratic turnovers. He was an inconsistent decision maker. So my whole reasoning for that was why would you go from one erratic, inconsistent decision maker of a quarterback in Mitch Trubisky all the way to Jameis Winston? Maybe a full offseason under Sean Payton as well as a season under Drew Brees and watching Drew Brees play live is going to change Jameis Winston. But Sam, were there any players that the Bears cut who like surprised you? I want to just throw one last thing about Jameis and then I'll, I'll move into the last point. I got two siblings who are FSU fans and my sister brought up a great point uh, prior to the Andy, uh, Andy Dalton signing. She goes, listen, if the Bears are going to have a, a quarterback, it might as well be a fun quarterback like Jameis. Like, you know that, like, obviously he's going to go out. You don't know what he's going to do. Like, he might throw for three touchdowns. He might throw for three interceptions. Like, if the Bears are already going to have a quarterback situation, like, Jameis Winston would be more fun than Eddie Dalton just because it's like, what kind of Jameis are we getting? But to get back on track, a surprise cut? See, I definitely had some gut reactions today that now that I'm looking at kind of the long-term plan make a little bit of sense. Obviously, I didn't totally agree with the Thomas Graham Jr. cut. That was a guy that I think had a lot of upside. The reps that I saw him playing looked good. And especially at a position where the bears aren't very strong in the secondary, it just seems like a weird move. I also am not of a great opinion that you should waive your rookies right away. Um, mostly because you invested draft capital into them. And if they don't make the roster, that's not necessarily their fault. That kind of falls on the GM for the most part. But if I had to think of a, of a release today that I was a little bit surprised about, um, I mean, I'll, I'll say it. I was a little bit surprised when the Bears released Artie Burns. I know it's not like a big name per se, but after they started releasing all these corners and uh, the Desmond Trufant news came out, which I kind of saw that coming, especially because I know he's dealing with some stuff with his family. Um, I was like, man, this is either Artie Burns or Kendall Wilder's job. They're going to create some competition here like they did last year, potentially with Jalen Johnson. Uh, you know, I think this could be a good fit for both of them. I think both of those guys, you know, definitely not the most shocking thing I've seen the Bears do, but I mean, can I say the whole secondary? I don't want to get into that right now, the whole cornerback room, but those were two guys that I definitely was, you know, kind of a little bit shocked considering the Bears depth this year. Um, I guess I could really say any corner, but I'll go with the terribly shocking but good yeah i thought he said i believe a few days ago that christian was competing for the starting nickel job still and he said that duke shelley and him were still kind of competing for that spot and christian has the flexibility to play safety and corner and he's a good special teamer like it just seemed like a very odd cut it just kind of handed the job to duke shelley which again i'm a 
great Duke Shelley fan. I've said it before on this podcast, but you'd think they'd want to keep their competition as Sam was saying at corner. It's just very weird what they did with that position. You have to think they have some sort of plan. Would be very Bears-like to not have a plan and just leave it as is, but they could have a plan in place to bring in a veteran like uh, Brashad or uh, Breland. Um, they have a few other guys that got released as well uh, that we'll talk about in a little bit. I don't want to spoil anything, but it just feels very odd how they handled that. And like, like I was saying, Marquis Christian was, I felt like was a, just a great fit to do everything for this team. Like a Sherrick McMahon, McManus was for this team for years as a safety corner special teamer that just filled in for anything. That just seemed like what he could have been. And I'm kind of disappointed that he got released. Obviously I'll give a little shout out that I got upset that Trey Robertson got released because he's my boy from Illinois state roll birds, but he got injured. So that kind of makes sense. I'd hope they try and bring him back when he gets better from his concussion, but we can only hope. Yeah. See for me, I mean, I was really surprised that Charles Soden got cut because when you look at Ryan Pace, the way that he kind of attacks is, and I know I've stand Charles Snowden similar to the way that you guys have stand Jesper Horstead, but from a football side of things, I mean, when you look at this, what, tends to happen is this is that Ryan Pace is seemingly always wanted to add to the edge rusher group, right? I mean, you look at, you move on from Leonard Floyd and you had Leonard Floyd and Aaron Lynch here for a couple of years. And that was a pretty solid two, three opposite Khalil Mack. And then you move on from Leonard Floyd, you bring in Robert Quinn. Well, guess what? You double down and you invest in edge rusher in the draft. You draft Travis Gibson. And then this year, despite the fact that Travis Gibson was on the roster, you went ahead and you added Jeremiah Atachu in free agency. And that was because Atachu had spent two years in Denver playing under Vic Fangio, which effectively is kind of a similar scheme as to what the Bears are trying to run here in Chicago under Sean Desai. But the reason I was surprised with Snowden is this, is because if you look at all the undrafted free agents, I mean, there were two that really stuck out. One, Sam Kamara, the defensive tackle from Stony Brook, and number two, Charles Snowden, who, by the way, was being projected as like a third, fourth round guy in the 2021 NFL draft, but hurt his foot. I think it was like an ankle or a foot injury, which is why he went all the way undrafted. Now, I was surprised at that because he is a long, lanky, athletic player. He's able to kind of set the edge you know wins with speed um has some really good bend is able to go ahead and drop back into coverage when you need him to he just has to add more to his frame so he uses that speed to power more it's just something that leonard floyd lacked but for a guy that's basically a carbon copy of leonard floyd i was surprised that he got cut now with that said i mean some of the guys that you mentioned like a thomas graham jr like a daz newsome like a charles snowden they are going to have an opportunity to be re-signed to the practice squad. And that's actually going to be on Wednesday, September 1st, when rosters are pretty much going to be finalized. And then 3 p.m., once that deadline rolls around, I mean, Opportunity for what? the Bears are going to be able to go ahead and, um, you know, get this practice squad. So Charles Snowden's a name to just continue to keep an eye on. But I was certainly surprised that, like, he got cut as quickly as he did because once I saw – some of these guys like a James Vaunters and, you know, Thomas Graham Jr. being cut, I was just like, hey, it probably increases the chance of Snowden making this 53-man roster, which goes back to what I said. I mean, Ryan Pace always wants to add the, the pass rushing group to get after the quarterback. And so this was, without a doubt, perhaps the biggest surprise cut of the day. I was, uh, I was happy to see uh, my guy Caleb Johnson make the active roster. That was a guy I actually didn't think was going to make it. Now, I understand the Bears have seven inside linebackers right now. If the roster gets edited and adjusted, I'm sure that's a guy that they might swap out 
and signed back to the practice squad. But Caleb Johnson's a guy that I really enjoyed watching in the preseason too. Awesome on special teams, great coverage, plays very, very strong and, and follows me on Twitter, which is cool. Um, but, uh, you know, that was one of those things where I saw the Snowden news and, and I, it was kind of crushing a little bit. I, I really liked how Snowden played. And I really thought they were going to keep five outside linebackers. Um, you know, obviously, I think the development of Travis Gibson played a big role. And, you know, I think he is going to slowly start to overtake Robert Quinn's reps and stuff. But I don't know. Snowden was one of those pieces where I was like, man, this is a guy that I think can play right away or at least a little bit on special teams and stuff. But uh, if we're talking about linebackers, it was cool to see Caleb Johnson still make the roster. He's a guy that I really like. I hope the Bears can keep him, even if it's just on the practice squad or hopefully maybe on the active roster. Who knows? But uh, yeah, the Snowden news was kind of disappointing. I guess I understand it, but I don't know. I think there's a lot to his game and, and I hope that the Bears can keep him because I think if I'm a team and I need ad rush help, Snowden's a guy that I would absolutely go after. Yeah, Snowden, I feel like it was very similar to the Roy Robertson-Harris situation when the Bears signed him as an undrafted free agent back in the day. Just a guy who had a ton of potential and was just a little undersized for his position. And then he was an outside linebacker when he first came to the NFL and then moved to D-line. So I don't believe Snowden will do the same thing. But regardless, he does need to beef up his frame. Another one I was kind of disappointed was kind of basically I felt like it was a decision between Lachavius Simmons and Arlington Hambright. I think Lachavius Simmons is downright horrendous. Arlington Hambright is pretty bad, too, but I thought Simmons was arguably the worst lineman on the team the entire preseason, the entire training camp, and the fact that he made the team over. Guys like uh, Dieter, I don't know how to say his name, the the center-slash-guard from Yale. I'm surprised he made it over him. I'm surprised he made it over Arlington Hambright, who actually even started a game last season. Just I did not think Simmons deserved to make this team. It disappoints me greatly that he's on the team. Yeah, there are a lot of questionable cuts. And again, once this whole thing's finalized, I mean, we're going to have to go back and look and be like, hey, was this the right decision or not? Because that there's two positional groups right now. Well, really three, I should say, that are just so key to watch for over the next couple of days because irrespective of the Bears, I mean, 31 other teams are making roster moves left and right. And so you have to be to wonder, hey, was there a certain player that was cut the Bears saw or know that, hey, this is a player that was cut. This is going to be someone that's going to pass through waivers. Could it be someone that the franchise decides to bring in and say this was an immediate upgrade. The Bears have been here before. I mean, in 2016, Josh Sitton got cut by Green Bay. It was a surprise cut, and everyone was just like, oh, my God, you know, the Bears go ahead and they sign him, and boom, he provided a year and a half to two seasons of quality play. But, Sam, give me one player that was cut from another NFL franchise that you would consider picking up. Yes. Yeah, so I, uh, I did a little, uh, digging around for guys. Um, I know you guys were talking about this pre-show. Um, but if the bears are able to, uh, I know it's going to be a waiver wire addition. So I don't know how realistic it is. Give me Jimmy Moreland. Um, I, I think, uh, he's only been in the league for a few years. Um, he has been a productive, productive slot, um, slot cornerback. Um, I'm just looking at stats right now. He had a 72.4, uh, run defense grade according to pro football focus. Uh, apparently he earned over 500 snaps in covering the slot for a guy who's only played in a couple years. That's a lot, a lot of reps. And he was on a very good Washington football team. I would love to see the bears bring him in just again. It's a young piece. It would be a guy who can compete in the slot or potentially play on the outside. If the bears needed to, I'm always of the opinion that it's really young. Um, the Bears are definitely going to be looking at the cornerback uh, market, I believe, in the next few days. I, 
I would be shocked if the Bears did not bring another cornerback, but if they can keep an eye on this guy for the way wire pickup, you know, I would love to see Jimmy Moreland in a Bears uniform. Yeah, cornerback is definitely one of the biggest needs we need coming into this waiver wire and post-roster cuts additions. But I'm going to go wide receiver here because I do think that our wide receiver room is solid. It doesn't have a ton of proven talent outside of Allen Robinson and a little bit of Darnell Mooney last year. But I would like a player that we could develop potentially younger because I know Rodney Adams isn't super young, even though he doesn't have a ton of experience. So I saw Colin Johnson got released by the Jacksonville Jaguars today. He was a sixth-round or fifth-round wide receiver out of Texas. He never really had crazy good stats in college. I mean, he had Sam Ellinger throwing the ball, so I can't really blame him. But he also was competing with Devin Duvernay for a lot of targets, who was a very talented wide receiver at Texas as well and got drafted by the Ravens and absolutely bought out this preseason as well with a bunch of injuries. But he, Colin Johnson has incredible size. He's not incredible. He's not super fast. He's a lot like Al Robinson in the sense that he's a possession wide receiver that can just get open with his size and makes a lot of contested catches. So I'd love to see him at least get added to the practice squad and maybe learn a little thing from Allen Robinson and possibly develop into a good X wide receiver or at least a backup because he's like 6'6", 220 with incredible arm length. And if anything, I mean, if they like him enough, they could possibly try to move him to U tight end and maybe a wide receiver to tight end switch since he's so big. Yeah, that's an intriguing name to keep an eye on because we know that the first four wide receivers are going to be Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Marquise Goodwin, Demir Bird. And then after that, I mean, it's kind of a complete toss-up in terms of how are the Bears going to structure this step chart because there's just we thought that originally a guy like a Rodney Adams and a John Bay Johnson, we thought for sure that the bears were going to carry six wide receivers and Adams and Johnson would kind of occupy those final two spots. But Hey, listen, I mentioned Justin earlier saying that the bears have had some luck bringing in a veteran that's been in the league for a couple of years. Matt Sucra or Sukara was cut by the dolphins. When you look at the bears right now, are they set at the interior offensive line with, Cody White here, James Daniels, as well as Sam Mustafer. Absolutely. But since Sucre got cut, I mean, he's a player that was with the Baltimore Ravens from 2016 and 2020, spent kind of 2021 as a member of the Miami Dolphins. And then what happened is this, I mean, has he had some knee issues in the past? Yes. But then also he started in 54 games since 2016 so that's a player that i think you have to continue to keep an eye on because the bears need when you look at his bears offensive line right now who's the most experienced player on this offensive line i mean it's jason peters and that guy's gonna have a bust in canton someday okay in the hall of fame after that it's cody white here then james daniels then jermaine ifetti and then Sam Mustafer of all the starters, but ultimately the bears need another veteran presence on this line. And look, I like James Daniels. I like Sam Mustafer, but there's been times that Sam has gotten really pushed around throughout the preseason. You have to wonder, Hey, has he legitimately added enough strength to his frame to warrant being able to hold down this role for a consistent 16 or 17 game season. And so Matt Sucre, I think, is a name to just keep an eye on. But then other than that, it's like you look around the league. I mean, Joe, you mentioned the wide receivers. Look, Holton Hill got cut. He's a cornerback for the Indianapolis Colts. He's a guy that coming out of college a couple of years ago had a lot of potential. Kiki Kuti got cut by the Texans. I mean, another really savvy route runner from, I believe it was Texas Tech, a guy that I was high on. And then just 
continue to look around the league. I mean, Jake Luton, a player that got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know our quarterback situation's completely messed up right now because the Bears are going to go with Andy Dalton instead of Justin Fields. But you know what? They don't have a young quarterback on the practice roster to even go ahead and develop. And so Jake Luton's a name to keep an eye on. And then J.B. Hawkins, a speedster from Louisville. He's a running back, was with the Tennessee Titans. He scored a touchdown against the... um, Bears a couple days ago in that Saturday night game, but I think J.B. Hawkins would be interesting because do you really want Darnell Mooney or Khalil Herbert back there? Two guys that are going to be the prominent roles on this team in 2021 returning punts? Probably not, so you have to go ahead and say, hey, maybe a guy like a J.B. Hawkins makes complete sense, but guys, listen, college football is officially starting this weekend. Before we get out of this bad boy, I mean, Joe, I'm going to bounce it over to you. College football starting means it's also time to begin scouting the 2022 NFL draft class. Man, give me your biggest need for the Bears heading into 2022. A lot of people can say offensive line, but I do feel like we're pretty okay there with a lot of people locked up outside of James Daniels. So I would actually say wide receiver as we only have now since we released Daz Newsome. We only have one wide receiver locked up for 2022, and that's Darnell Mooney. That is a major need, especially if we don't extend Allen Robinson. I obviously haven't gotten to my scouting yet with uh, diving deep into players, but I am keeping my eye out for a ton of players, especially the two wide receivers out of Ohio State, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Those two are extremely talented. Obviously, they have a connection with Justin Fields. Uh, there's a ton of other talented wide receivers that have intriguing size, which I'd be looking for if you're trying to replace Allen Robinson, like Drake London or Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Regardless, wide receiver needs to be addressed this year. Whether it, they need to get more size, they're going to need to get more speed, obviously, when Marquise Goodwin and, and possibly Demir Bird both leave this offseason since they're only on one-year deals. They really need to retool that room or extend people because – you can't just be having that high turnover position or having a high turnover rate at the wide receiver position when you're trying to develop your young quarterback and develop some chemistry with wide receivers. And there'll certainly be a handful of wide receivers to keep an eye on, despite not having a first or fourth round pick in 2022. I mean, you alluded to Justin Fields college friends and Garrett. Wilson and Chris Olave, but then keep an eye on guys like John Mechie Jr. The third from Alabama, George Pickens from Clemson and Justin Ross from uh, Clemson. Sorry, George Pickens is actually from Georgia. And then uh, another name, you know, is going to be Anais Smith from Texas A&M. But Sam, give me your biggest need, man. I mean, obviously I think wide receiver is going to be a big uh, necessity for sure, but I'll go to the defensive side of the ball. I think the cornerback room is going to definitely need to be addressed. Even if the bears do make some moves in this off season, I don't think that even if you can are able to sign a good veteran this year, I don't think you can leave it unaddressed. Um, I know the bears are definitely going to have to look at the safety position as well, but I think the cornerback room is going to be so much more important. It's a lot of what ifs with Jalen Johnson this year and outside of Jalen Johnson, you don't have a lot of security uh, or guys around long-term a guy I really, really like. I don't know how realistic this is, um, but I I haven't done a ton of scouting. Um, I think a guy like Derek Stingley Jr. would be cool out of LSU the way that I'm reading this right now, it looks like he's going to be one of the first corners taken, but I've always enjoyed LSU's uh, defense. And I think a big reason why their defense has been solid um, has been their secondary. So I know that's an unrealistic ask, but I know a certain general manager who trades into the first round often. Um, I will have to do a lot more research uh, for the secondary in the 2022 class. Cause honestly, I haven't done much. 
But I think the secondary, especially the cornerback room, should definitely be addressed in the draft. You can find starters in the second, third, fourth rounds. The Bears have done it before. Pace is known to be able to grab guys like a Jalen Johnson, like an Eddie Jackson in the past. I think he can do it again. I definitely think it's a positional need for the Bears in 2022. Yeah, and if you're not keeping an eye on Derek Singley Jr., because he's not going to be on the board when the Bears pick, keep an eye on Seven Banks from Ohio State. I mean, they're cornerback factory in Columbus, crank out guys like Marshawn Lattimore, and then Sean Wade, who I think came out was a fifth-round pick, but Jeff Okuda. But hey, Ohio State's got some really solid cornerbacks. I'm pretty sure I'm missing a couple names there. They've got good quarterbacks, too, and Justin Fields, not necessarily Dwayne Haskins. But hey, look, for me, when I look at college football this season, I mean, I'm going to be covering this for the Bear Report with the Picks for Pace podcast, so check that out. Shameless plug right here. But I want to look at what is this offensive line going to look like, right? Because yeah, we have Larry Borum and, you know, to take over at right tackle, you hope that Tevin Jenkins is back and healthy, but then James Daniels is going to be a free agent. Alex Bars and Sam Mustafa are pretty much on one year deal. So the bears are going to have some work to do, but I also think that the reason I say offensive line is because Ryan Pace has never drafted an offensive tackle higher than the fifth round before Tevin Jenkins and Larry Borum kind of got into the bolt. And then on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, Sam, cornerback is the biggest question mark right now. But then we also have to keep in mind is that this linebacker room is getting old, right? So forget Roquan Smith for a moment here because you know he's going to be here for the next couple of years, all right? Danny Trevathan's getting older. I mean, you could realistically cut Danny Trevathan next offseason. I know the cap numbers on that are a bit messed up right now, but it's probably going to be a post-June 1st cut because the Bears have around $40 million to start with in cap space for 2022, and they can certainly create more. But you're going to have to find another middle linebacker next to Danny Trevathan unless a guy like Caleb Johnson develops. You are... Possibly going to have to look at replacing strong safety because Sean Gibson's here on a one-year deal. And then that defensive line, hey, Eddie Goldman's getting older, even though he's like 27, 28 years old. And then you have Akeem Hicks, who's going into the final year of his deal. Akeem wants to be back, but if he's not back, are you going to have to look into possibly drafting another defensive lineman? Because Bilal Nichols is also a player that is going to be a free agent next offseason. So the Bears have a lot of needs, and I would say that it's on both sides of the wall, and that's what makes 2021 so interesting. But listen, that's going to do it from us. We're going to get out of here. So before we get out of here, guys, listen, make sure you check out our sponsor, Audacia Sports. Um, Go buy some really cool Justin Fields stickers from there. I'm pretty sure Sam's like stuck them on the bumper of his car or something when he drives to North Central every day. Uh, you can follow Sam on Twitter at Chai Sports Sam. Follow Joe on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Koshal. And then follow Fireside Bears guys on Twitter at Fireside Bears. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter instagram and tiktok as well good morning good evening and good night bear down we'll catch you guys next week when we are like what four or five days away from the bears opening the regular season in los angeles also have a great labor day weekend guys we have some cool stuff coming up the pipeline but peace out and bear down bear down